Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name's Chris Badgett, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Micah Mitchell from Imperium. How are you doing, Micah? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's really cool to have you on the show because um, I know our paths in some ways are very similar. We have, you know, we're in the membership online course ecosystem, and we've our products have been around for about four years. So we have a lot of history and we've seen things, things evolve. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Can you describe for the listener what Membirium is? And I know you have two versions, one, one's for Infusionsoft and one's for ActiveCampaign, if you can touch on the difference between those two different CRMs. Yeah, sure. So Membirium is a membership plugin uh, for WordPress. And we originally built it to connect only to Infusionsoft and then later expanded a bit so it would also connect to Active Campaign. And our kind of goal isn't to create the entire membership experience. We're really more middleware. And for those of you not familiar with that, we're kind of an integration piece. So Infusionsoft, uh, the difference between it and Active Campaign, real quick, is they both do email follow up, they both do campaigns. So Infusionsoft has a campaign builder, Active Campaign obviously is mostly campaigns. Infusionsoft just does more. So Active Campaign very much specializes in the campaign piece. And if you want to do e-commerce or affiliates or some of these other things, you would plug something else into Active Campaign. Infusionsoft really got going in and became big by being an all-in-one solution where they're a CRM, they're a sales tool. You know, you can manage your sales team, manage sales opportunities and pipelines their automation, their affiliates, their e-commerce. So Infusionsoft puts it all together. They try to do it all in one system. Uh, and Active Campaign does mostly just the campaign piece. There is a contact record, uh, but it's not as in-depth. Uh, but then people do a great job with Active Campaign of plugging in other tools that they like even better. You know, so somebody with Infusionsoft, they might use everything in Fusionsoft and it, it works great because it's all in one. Somebody with active campaign, they're going to go for the best shopping cart, you know, the best of each type of tool and glue them all together. So a little bit different philosophies, but a lot of people uh, for us anyways, from Membarium's perspective, the clients are very similar. And in fact, some of them, you know, they'll move their exact same business from Infusionsoft to active campaign or the other way and do the same thing. Just they'll add on some tools or remove some tools depending on which way they're going. That's awesome. Can you explain what you mean a little more by middleware for what Membrium is as a middleware? Yeah, so it's software that's between two things. So it's in the middle of, of two things. So with Infusionsoft and WordPress, uh, a lot of people with their, with their website, they want their customer to be able to log in and to only be able to access pages based on their Infusionsoft record. So whether the person's bought or subscribed to a certain list or whatever, a different set of pages or different things on those pages will be displayed. And Membarium's doing the communication between those two. So Membarium isn't a tool where like you create a page and design a page. You do that in WordPress, but Membarium's the tool that controls, you know, which pages and which portions of the pages and so forth are visible. So it's it's kind of a behind the scenes piece that uh, passes data back and forth between the two. That's awesome. So for example, um, if you're using Membirium for Infusionsoft with Lifter LMS, you can control access based on tags or apply tags based on certain things happening in the LMS. So for the more advanced user uh, who wants a lot of activity happening and control happening from the CRM Infusionsoft, uh, that becomes possible through, through your middleware. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and Lifter is a great example where you guys do control the look and feel, you know? Um, and then when somebody completes a course or passes a quiz or whatever, that's where Membarium can pick up on that activity and pass it back to Infusionsoft to say, hey, they were in a campaign talking to them about finishing module one. Well, we just got a notification, you know, from Lifter through Membarium to Infusionsoft that they're finished. So let's go ahead and stop that campaign and start another campaign to encourage them to finish module two as a, as a typical scenario. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's do a, a little personal history lesson here. Um, tell us a little bit about your backstory because um, similar to me, if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, um, you're not a, a developer yourself. You don't, right. know, you, don't, you don't know how to write code. I don't know how to write code, but we run software companies. How did that happen for you? <laughs> uh, probably similar to your story. Uh, it's partnership. So my background um, kind of went, once I had quit my job when I was 18, 19, I actually started a lawn care company, which is kind of funny because uh, I was sick of being in the office. So I was doing a, a sales kind of slash IT job. I wasn't really into IT, but I knew more about it than the other people. And so when I quit, I went out and mowed lawns and actually bought Infusionsoft for my lawn care company to manage it. And then winter came. I, I tell this story sometimes and I sound so stupid, but basically winter came and I was like, oh, I can't mow lawns anymore. And so I kind of fell back to IT and it was just a good time. This is back in 2006 when there weren't really any Infusionsoft experts. And so when they when Infusionsoft figured out, oh, this guy knows how to build websites and do some of these things. And he knows Infusionsoft, they would get that request all the time. Hey, I need somebody to build me a website who knows Infusion. So that's kind of how I got started. And then I spent about 10 years doing all sorts of consulting for Infusionsoft users. And it eventually came around to doing software because a lot of them would ask for the same custom integration. So before there was any sort of plugins out there, they would say, hey, can you connect Infusionsoft to WordPress? And so I'd get somebody to do that custom and over a bunch of iterations and a whole bunch of sloppy history, you know, eventually figured things out to where we started Membarium about four years ago. And then I've been laser focused on that. So I kind of stopped doing general Infusionsoft consulting, just did membership sites for Infusionsoft users, and now just, you know, membership site software for Infusionsoft users. And so that's kind of the short version, but it's funny because when I look back at, there wasn't any plan. It was like stumbling towards something. Now that we're here, I love it. And I can draw on some of that experience, but that's kind of how it happened. That is awesome. I love that story. And I do share something similar. When I left uh, the job I had in Alaska, I, um, you know, I was just hobby building websites, you know, learning WordPress. And, uh, you know, I was like, I just kind of stumbled into, well, and then people started asking to pay me to build websites. I heard mm -hmm. the same, you know, this is very compressed, but I heard the same requests over and over and it started specializing in membership and online course websites, heard the same stuff over and over and the uh, product was born out of the, those requests over and over and over again. So that's a, it's a very similar story. That's really interesting. Um, I think I heard you on a podcast some, a while back somewhere or on a video or something about um, content planning for a membership site and index cards. Can you share that gem with the LMS cast listener? Yeah. So this is, um, I'll give you a little bit of, of how it happened. Cause it's again, one of those things that just naturally came up. Uh, I was trying to plan out some of my own content 
And so I would try mind map software and I would try slides and, you know, different ways of outlining content. And I don't know exactly, you know, when or where it happened, but I think it was because I was traveling a lot. I got a stack of index cards. And so I started planning my content on the index cards. And um, basically I would lay the index cards out on the table like a mind map and try to write, you know, okay, what's in module one, what's in module two, and and go out and try to plan out a full curriculum. And then I'd have to put them in my pocket and go again. And so after taking them in and out of my pocket enough, then I would be on a plane, for example, and instead of being able to spread them out, I'd have them in a stack and I'd start going through them kind of uh, one at a time, like taking the top card off and putting it on the bottom and basically realized that this is how the user goes through the content. So as the content creator, you see this map and I like to use, um, I guess it's a, a metaphor of the bug in the rug. If you think about like a rug that you're looking down on that's sitting on the floor from above, you can see the pattern and you can see how the, the colors and everything fits together. But if there's a little bug down in that rug, you know, climbing through the fiber, it has no idea. You know, it just sees like the walls of fiber around it and looks around and sees whatever's in front of it. And so going through the cards, you know, just like a deck of cards where you take off the top and put it on the bottom, it's like, okay, this is how the customer sees my content, one page or one video at a time. And honestly, they, even if they did see the whole thing, it probably just overwhelmed them and they wouldn't really know yet how it fits together. And so I started uh, an exercise with note cards and have done this at live events a few times where we pass around stacks of note cards to everybody. And it basically goes where you, you first of all, come up with the title of your course or whatever, and you just put that on one card. And then you break it up into three sections. So you say, okay, whatever it is, I'm going to break it into three sections, whether that's beginner, intermediate, advanced, or whether it's you know, three parts of it. So for example, when I would teach Infusionsoft, it was, well, there's the marketing, the sales, and the fulfillment. And so there's different ways you can split it up, but then within each of those sections, splitting it up again into three sections. Okay, so marketing, what are the three sections of that? Maybe uh, traffic, capturing leads, delivering lead magnets, uh, sales, how do you split those up? And then within each of those, again, splitting it three times. And what it helps people to, what it helps I think the site creator to do is to break big areas of content down into small areas. Because basically at each section, you can break it down again, even a lead magnet. Okay, how do we break that down? And then even if you say, okay, one of the sections of the lead magnet is the uh, copywriting or whatever, eBooks versus webinars versus something else, break that down. And you can, you only need to go as far as you want to, but pretty much you can take a big piece of subject matter. And if you just split it a few times, like three by three by three, um, pretty soon you've got, you know, 81 or so things, which then become the videos. And so then what you can do is you I would, you know, let's say you have 81 uh, and you shuffle them all together. You know, you've broken it down three or four times by threes. That's perfect because those smaller chunks, you know, they're easier to consume on mobile. And when you have a learning management system like Lifter, then as people are going through, they can get a better perceived sense of progress. You know, they can have something check off more often. If they only have five minutes to watch, it's not like they watched five minutes of a 20 minute video and have to remember where they are they just checked one off and they can come right back and, and continue on the next one. So it's good for breaking it down small. It's also good again, because as you go through the cards and sorry, this is a long winded answer, but as you go through the cards one at a time, you can start to get a sense. If you kind of 
you know, step back from the content creator perspective and look at it as a user, you can start to get a sense of, okay, as I'm going through these cards, you know, what's missing? Are some of these in the wrong order? Do they need an intro to this section? And, you know, right from the title card, you realize, okay, let's add in a card for welcome video and then maybe welcome video per section. And then maybe a wrap up video at the end of each section. And I, I also like cards because if you've written on one and you want to change the title, you can just cross it out and write another one or just chuck the card and get another one. And so I worked through a lot of my content this way. And then like I said, I've taught this a few times. And I think it's just a valuable exercise to organize your mind as the content creator, but then also go through experience as a user and especially going through and asking yourself again, like what's missing, what's out of order. um, And especially how are they going to be feeling as they go through it, you know, like at this point, am I overwhelmed? Am I lost? Uh, Am I tired even? Has this been a lot? Um, So going through it that way, then you can slip in some pieces that then when, when you do, however you put the content into your site or however you deliver it, now it's going to flow. So, you know, if the content flows effortlessly, then you can work on the user experience and a bunch of the other components, knowing that piece is solid. So, what I recommend you do right now is press pause if you're listening to this podcast or if you're watching it on YouTube and go do this exercise. That is, that's incredible, Micah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's super powerful and it's a huge problem in our industry of, uh, the, it's called the curse of knowledge or expertitis where the expert, you know, sees, sees the map, sees the territory, but, uh, you know, just kind of has been too close to the material, forgot what it's like to be the bug in the rug, you know, yeah. going through one piece at a time. So that's a great way to, you know, develop empathy with the end user and really get in their shoes. And I think you're right with a physical, you know, index card in your hand, it's very different from a mind map on a giant whiteboard. It forces you to, um, you know, to look at each chunk, each learning chunk as it comes through. That's That's really helpful. Thank you for for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. I think you also mentioned something where uh, you, when you're looking at those individual chunks and you know, like this particular step where you're in the course and you're asking somebody to do something that might feel overwhelming or, um, you know, they'll be tired after they do it or their brain will be tired because it's a, you know, requires some critical thinking or developing new skills or something. That's a great, time to, you know, add a little personalization, you know, where somebody could, let's say, complete a lesson in Lifter LMS and apply a tag that then goes into um, Memberium, through Memberium to Infusionsoft and does some kind of sequence or campaign that's designed literally around supporting that per supporting the, the user at the exact moment that they're going to be uh, you know, tired or stressed out, or maybe they need a little extra push to complete whatever that lesson's asking them to do. Um, I think, I think that's a great, uh, I think going through the course as a user on cards, just, it it really cements that and gives people the opportunity to not just design content, but to design experience. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot easier too to change out an index card than to go refilm a video or change a page or whatever. So it's, it's that kind of pre-work <laughs> that saves time in the end. I think I've heard from somebody who in the writing world, a nonfiction book writing world, that they spend half the entire project just working on the outline. Mm-hmm. And 
so like this is kind of like that the you know when you do the index cards and you really get that right before you actually get a bunch of software start recording videos it, it flows like you say <laughs> like yeah. if you do the work up front otherwise you'll be playing catch up um can you do you have any more thoughts on just that flow and the reason i bring that up is i see course creators membership site builders get kind of stressed out or, you know, they have all these different, I call it the five hats problem that I've said on this podcast many times about, you know, trying to balance the skills of an entrepreneur, a teacher, a um, technologist, an expert, a community builder. But like when you're in flow as a course creator or membership site builder, you need flow because you got a lot of work to get done and you got to figure all these different things out. What do you recommend or, or do, do you have any thoughts there on helping people doing these types of projects stay in flow or find flow when they need to do this kind of work? Yeah, I think so. I, I think a big, you know, a big thing, whether you do it on note cards or not, is making the content chunk small. Cause I've, I've done content all sorts of different ways. I've done a lot of different membership sites. And in some cases I've just said like, you know, I've got to just force myself to get started, you know, and I start with video one and then keep going uh, but then as you get deeper into it, there's so many things to remember, like, okay, I made this and that mistake and I've got to cover for it here and there and whatever. Uh, and I think like you brought up, you know, for somebody writing a book, if they really have the outline down, then writing an individual chapter becomes so easy because you know what came before it, you know, what's coming after it, you, you know, you understand how it fits in. And I think this is that way because like the smaller chunks, you know, we talk about how that's easier for the user to consume it's easier for you to create because you can say, okay, I'm going to go create three or four pieces of content. Basically, I'm going to take three or four index cards, turn them into a video, which can become a page or lesson, whatever. Uh, and then I've got to go do some marketing activity or I've got to go to the bank or I've got to you know, talk to this attorney or whatever. It lets you compartmentalize a little bit, which unfortunately we have to do. If you had all day to create content, obviously that's ideal. But yeah, when there's other stuff to do, I feel like having the outline so you can jump in and out of it as needed and having it in very small chunks so that you can execute where you have the time. That's a big help right there. Um, for me personally, I do like uh, how to put, it. I don't recommend this for everybody, but I kind of do things last minute, honestly. And so I like doing a lot of the thinking beforehand, as much thinking as possible and planning as possible and then usually when it comes down to it and I just have to create the thing, it'll come out pretty good. But I've done it before where I've got to create the thing. And if I haven't done the prep work and if it's not, you know, if I have to create four hours of content in a night, that's not only a long night. Uh, typically, the content's not as good, you know. And so I've gotten better at doing smaller chunks uh, with more planning and it helps me jump in and out of flow. You know, I've read a lot about flow state where bigger chunks of uninterrupted time is better, which I agree with, but the reality is we don't always have it. And so that's where for me, at least I like to think of, you know, kind of one problem at a time, but have the context of the rest of it, because I've been in a lot of situations where I've made some content. And then as I progress through building the course or get feedback from customers or whatever, then I realize, Oh, I've got to go change something or make up for something or whatever. Um, and it's a lot easier when it's a small piece instead of going in and saying, okay, I've got a 20 minute video and I need to correct this two minutes. It's like, I've got, you know, seven, three minute videos and I need to change one of them and the rest are fine. That's awesome. 
Well, in the spirit of flow and friction removal, you, the listener out there, uh, I want you to listen closely to Micah's answer to our next to my next question. Uh, and then also, I'd encourage you to you know hang around to the end of the show. We're also going to be talking about some other ways that Mimbarium is you know removing friction, making um, more room for for flow through templates. But my question right now, with where we're parked at, is I want to leverage your experience in marketing automation and working with CRMs and building campaigns with tools like Active Campaign and Infusionsoft. If somebody's getting into those tools, uh, what are some of the classic mistakes you see people make? And, and also, you know, that's the problem side, but on the opportunity side, what are some low hanging fruit or just some good best practices when building out campaigns and things inside of a tool? like active campaign or infusion soft yeah, that's a good question um so i would say the biggest shortcut to making marketing automation work is being a, a making yourself the best copywriter you can possibly be like getting to where you can really write compelling copy figuring out what the hook is uh, because what a lot of people will do is they'll say well i need to market and so they'll go develop several pieces of free content, which are good content. And they'll say, okay, now you know, I've got traffic coming, for example, with this content. Uh, now let me figure out how to transition from there to the sale. But if you approach it the other way around of really getting clear on why people are going to buy your product or who's going to buy your product, uh, doing some kind of classic copywriting things like developing an avatar for your customer then you can, it, it's a little bit similar to the note card thing where, you know, we're saying make those first and then go in and build all the tech. A lot of people will jump into a system like Infusionsoft or Active Campaign and start populating out campaigns. You know, they'll map it out and think, okay, I'm going to map out this thing and then I'm going to go in and write all my copy into it. It's not the worst idea, but if you get really clear on your copywriting and your hook and so forth uh, and how you're going to sell the product at the end, and then you back off one step of, okay, I, I know how I'm going to sell my product. I can make a sales page. Then you can develop those lead magnets with the sales message in mind. So rather than just developing content and then figuring out how to sell, you know, transition to sale later, the content can be developed knowing where they're going next and seeding a lot of the, uh, you know, main features and benefits of the product, overcoming a bunch of the objections. So that when, by the time they get to the sales message, it's just kind of a, you know, slippery slide down and it's, it's really easy for them to buy. So it's, I think last time you and I talked, you know, we talked about how people will buy a bunch of technology and be like, I'm ready to make a membership site. I think it's the same in the marketing world. I've got this tool and this tool and this tool, and I'm ready to market uh, versus you find somebody who's a great salesperson and they'll make a sale with the crappiest marketing tools that there are. They'll make more sales. I know somebody who had started a membership site and their website was actually a PDF. They didn't know how to make a website, but they knew how to make a PDF and they hosted it and they forwarded their domain to their PDF. And it was basically just a sales letter and they did great, you know? And so it's for me, even though I love the marketing automation and the tech and whatever, um, I've always thought that starting at the end and working backwards is a lot easier than starting at the beginning. Uh, and it does take a little extra thought, but uh, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll build that front end so much, um, kind of in a way avoiding the sales thinking and the sales process. 
and they'll do it at the end and sometimes realize, well, a lot of that front end stuff doesn't really feed into this well. When they do finally figure out what we'll sell and how, they then have to go back and redo that stuff. So uh, a friend of mine, Kim Snyder, she talks about reversing the funnel, which is kind of what we're talking about. So folks on the bottom of funnel stuff too, you know, your final sales message, what's that going to be? And then taking the steps up from it. And when you do finally connect it to your traffic, things flow pretty well. And, and it does work, you know, both ways, both can be successful, but when thinking of all the automation tools, they can be so overwhelming. Um, yeah. Getting, getting really um, solid fundamentals is just going to help the whole process. I agree with you that copywriting is, it's like the super skill or the, yeah. it's just so important for a course creator and not just for sales when you, in marketing, it's also just how you communicate with your students and it's a communication skill. It's not just like how to sell with words. I mean, that's kind of what it's classically known as, but just the skill is what I'm saying is it's relevant to you as a teacher, not just as a entrepreneur who needs to sell things. Yeah. Good point. I wanted to ask you as you've been around a lot of membership sites and um, well, how do you define membership site versus online course. And, and one of the reasons I'm asking is like this, uh, there's also a concept of a membership site and you could do content planning where it's a membership with like monthly fee and it's like members only private blog posts that aren't necessarily structured into a course. Um, but how do you, how do you kind of define those two worlds? So yeah, for it, it's kind of a, not even quite a fine line. It's more like they have overlap, right? And so membership to me, a lot of the time means subscription. It doesn't always have to mean subscription. Um, but when you build a course for a one-time fee and you're delivering that, it's a little different than a membership where you have a monthly or an annual or whatever type of fee where now you have to continuously deliver. You know, Even if they come in and month one is great or the core program is great, what else do you have to keep them on longer? And from you know a normal sales and marketing perspective, most people realize, hey, it's better to sell more to my existing customer or it's easier or cheaper to sell more to my existing customer. And so membership is that built in, right? It's subscriptions. And there's so many things you can add besides just content. So even somebody with a course, in fact, I usually think this way about my stuff, is I sell a membership where the course is more of just the beginning of it. It's kind of like the course is almost a bonus or the core curriculum is... Uh, something to fall back to and lean on. But what the membership includes is some sort of ongoing component. And there's a lot of ways to do that. So I've in the past done a monthly webinar and realized at some point that becomes a mistake because you, at least for me, I ran out of stuff to say, you know, by month 25, it's like, what is this webinar supposed to be about? And some people, some people call that the content treadmill. You have to be careful yeah. in that situation. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, I know from personal experience, it was like, I'm supposed to come up with something. There's nothing to come up with. And then I feel terrible if I'm just rehashing or watering down. Um, so yeah, that's something to avoid. What I do like, and uh, we do now is things like office hours or an open Q&A um, or hot seats and things of that nature where it's, it's kind of user generated. So rather than you coming up with presentations uh, with my current membership program, we do a Q&A where they send in their questions beforehand and then I put together a slide deck where slide one is just the question the user asked and, you know, the slides that follow it 
are the answer, depending on how deep we need to go, and then another slide with a question. And that way I don't, you know, I have to prepare answers to the questions so they're, they're well thought out and I'm covering them pretty well, uh, but I don't have to come up with new topics. And so I like that model. Some other things, you know, a lot of people know you can include a community with a membership site. For me personally, uh, I don't, and I don't recommend people start a community too early. That's another mistake where they say, hey, my membership site's got to include all the things this other guru includes because I'm copying his business model, but for my niche. And the mistake most people don't realize they're making is, well, you're, you're starting at zero or at level one or two or whatever, and that guy's already level 10. It makes sense for him to do that. It doesn't make sense for you to do that until you're bigger. And so uh, what I like to do is, again, start with some core content and then the ongoing component, have it as user-generated as possible. Hot seats are great where you just bring people on and you say, hey, so-and-so is trying to do what we're all talking about. We're going to use them as like a live case study hot seat and, and they're going to explain all their problems. And what's fun too, at least the way I like hot seats is it's not, so if I'm the teacher or whatever, or if you're the teacher, it's not all up to you to give them all the advice. Usually the other people on the call, the other people in the group have great ideas too. So they get in the hot seat and they say, well, you know, I'm at this level and I'm running into this and that problem. And other people are going to say, oh yeah, I hit that problem too. And this is how I overcame it. And you're still the leader or the teacher, but you're bringing a ton of value by putting them together with their peers, you know, because sometimes the the guru or the leader or whatever, their advice can be a little, um, I almost want to say like a little too perfect or a little bit ideal. Whereas the other people are like, oh, I had that problem and I just ignored it and it went away. Don't worry about it. Focus on something else. Or yeah, we just hacked it or patched it this way and it was fine. Uh, a couple other things that I, I do think are cool ideas to include to make something a membership rather than just a course are uh, one is called critique certificates. And this is where you, when somebody signs up, you say, Hey, you know, after month three or after you finished module five or whatever it is, you get a critique certificate. And that's good for me to go in and look at the work you've done and critique it. And it's, it does a couple of things. One is it positions your time as being not available. You know, you're not buying a membership that has full access to me. But if you do the work, then I'll actually come in and give you advice on the work that you did. And so it encourages them to go through the content, to do the work, and then get access to you. And for you, you're actually able to then talk to them about something relevant. You know, if you give people access to you too early, because I've done this a lot where one of the bonuses of signing up for the membership is like an hour consultation with me or whatever, right? Um, the problem is then they just ask you questions that are in your first few videos anyways. And you're like, well, that's in video one and that's covered in video four. So I like critique certificates. Uh, another kind of variation on that is a 911 call where you say, hey, as a member uh, during your first year or if you pay yearly or after your first year, whatever it is, you get a 911 call or two 911 calls. And this is where they can book a call with you, you know, within however you want to set the parameters, let's say within a business day or whatever, um, where they can just talk directly to you about whatever their challenge is or their opportunity. And again, it positions your time, uh, puts a value to it. But I like putting uh, criteria on those things where they have to either be a member for a certain period of time or have made it through a certain amount of content. And so it kind of allows you to still have the one to many where you're teaching courses and, and doing calls, 
but it also gives them the one-on-one that they really do want just in a very structured, you know, very helpful way uh, with very little of your time invested. So there, there's probably a lot of other things to include, but those are just some ideas of how to make a course into a, an ongoing subscription. That is awesome. I really love the 911 call. I was taking notes as you were talking um, <laughs> for some things to add. I accidentally created a, a, uh, a mastermind. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I have a product called Lifter LMS Office Hours, which I set up as just a benefit of our largest bundle called the Infinity Bundle, where we do a weekly call where they can, I go to, it's a group call for live technical or strategy support. Most Mostly people are coming with strategy issues or looking for other tool recommendations and things of that nature. But what ended up happening is, um, like you said, a lot of the other people on the call had a lot of wisdom in their own experience or you know, maybe they had used the tool that somebody's asking about that I haven't. And uh, it, it turned into a mastermind. So I, I've recently raised the price on that. And I, tr- I give it the respect it deserves and I rename the product from Office Hours to Office Hours Mastermind. And uh, so that's my story about how I accidentally created a mastermind. Uh, <laughs> nice. I wanted to also just, as you were talking, I took a few more ideas down that um, if you're looking to add value to a membership or a subscription beyond courses, um, you can do some kind of like done for you service, which is sort of like your, your critique certificate. Um, you can do uh, virtual events. You could, you could bring in like members only special guests where maybe you don't have to prepare the presentation, but you're introducing them to somebody who's really helpful and whatever the mem- membership is all about. Um, you can do a, like a members only newsletter. I'm, a, I'm in one membership that is just a premium newsletter. And that, I mean, that's still, that's old school, but that still Mm -hmm. exists. And it's a thing. Um, Something that's really popular these days is a box in the mail, like a crate. (laughs) So, you know, whether that's like some kind of gear, if it's like a fitness course, or maybe it's a box of books or whatever your niche is, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And then the other is, uh, uh, I don't know if I said this already or not, but a book club I see some people doing, which is, so you're just kind of continuing to learn around your space, but then again, leveraging the power of the crowd, people show up to a call and discuss the, you know, what they're learning from this book and about how they're applying it in their business or their life or whatever the membership is about. Any other ideas on your side to add value to a membership? Uh, you know, I'm sure I'll think of some afterward, but one that you mentioned that I want to uh, like double down on for people is, yeah, having guests come in and help create content with you. That can be so valuable because we can't know everything, you know, and, and with the mastermind, it's the same. Like you said, you're not using all the tools out there. And so when someone says, hey, is there a tool for this or that? And somebody else on the call chimes in and has something. It's awesome. And I think the same with guests. Uh, what I'd encourage people who haven't done that yet to understand is, pretty much people aren't going to say no. If you invite somebody to be an expert to your audience, even if it's a small audience, they'll probably be happy to do it. So if you have any hesitation uh, on getting guests on or whatever, and you haven't done that before, yeah, just a word of encouragement. It's a great way to create content uh, to learn more yourself, you know, through that process. 
I kind of think of podcasts, for example, as a funny, like little, little scheme where it's like, well, I just get to ask this person all the questions I want to know. It's like free consulting almost and call it a podcast. So yeah, I, I think the monthly webinar, um, I kind of dogged on it a little bit, but you're right. It can definitely work if you bring in guests and you can do some yourself as well, but guests are kind of like the key to making that work really well. Yeah, just to highlight that a lot, I've noticed people sometimes have some, uh, some, some head talk about that, but really, and what I mean by that is they're like, oh, that person will, doesn't want to be a part of my membership. But if you just think about the triple win, like what is a win for you? It's a win for you to add more value to your membership. It's a win for your, your members to have some kind of special guest who can help them on whatever the topic of the membership is. But then the thing that some people don't realize is that guest is getting access to, you know, your paying customers, like a good qualified audience who is interested in what they have to say. And that guest may come and bring value, but they probably have some kind of product or service on the back end. And if somebody wants to do a deeper dive with that particular guest, maybe buy their book or get their services or products. It's, it's really a win for everybody. So it's more an issue of just finding good guests and, and, and thinking about that alignment. <laughs> and um, it's not as hard as it sounds. I just wanted to echo what you said there. Yeah, I love it. Um, you said something earlier I just wanted to come back to for the uninitiated out there uh, in copywriting. You said the hook. What is the hook? Uh, so the hook is kind of... You you could even say it's the headline, but even within a headline, the hook is kind of the mechanism that really gets somebody's attention. Uh, it's the thing that makes it sound different. Um, if you, I think infomercials are a great place to go and study. You know, it probably doesn't sound fun to sit up and watch infomercials, but if you put on your marketing hat and you watch infomercials, some of them are fascinating. You know, it's things like, um, you know, I, and I'm. I'm going to do some terrible on the off the cuff copywriting here. But in fact, actually I'll go back to a story. This will explain hooks. Uh, when I was first selling my Infusionsoft course, I built a course for Infusionsoft users. There weren't any courses. There weren't even really Infusionsoft videos, not from the company themselves at the time. And I thought this is going to sell. This is going to be amazing. I'm so smart for doing this. Right. And the first three weeks of having the card open, I got no sales, not a single sale. And and I forget what the original headline was about, you know, learn Infusionsoft and make money, blah, blah, blah kind of stuff. And then I went and studied, um, I think the guy's name is Gary Bensavenga. Uh, I don't know how to spell that. Sorry. But yeah, Gary Bensavenga. I read some stuff about hooks from him. And so the headline that ended up working and we did over a hundred grand in sales on that thing after doing nothing. And really, I just changed the headline. I didn't change the sales page that much is it said basically, how, you know, a normal, uh, non-techie everyday guy learned to master Infusionsoft uh, and go on to build success, a successful company or something. And the hook there was, hey, I'm just like you, but learn to do this. And therefore, the implication is this will work for you. Whereas the other headline of just take this course and make money or learn to master Infusionsoft, it's not believable. And so the hook typically make something believable and kind of puts it close enough within grasp that people will, will buy it. Uh, and I think his example, and I'm just going to slaughter this. It was about fishing. It was about these kids who were selling worms, uh, you know, at a gas station and 
no matter what they did, like 10 worms for five cents, whatever pricing, whatever kind of stuff, it didn't work. And then what they said is local worms catch more fish, you know, plus get a secret map to all the best fishing holes with your purchase of $10 or more. And they started just killing it, selling worms. And it's like, that that's a hook. Local worms catch more fish. And then the secret map is just kind of a, a juicy bonus. Um, but this, this is why copywriting, kind of the deeper level of copywriting is so important because in my own experience, and I've seen this with clients too, but I know from personal, very personal experience of being desperate to sell something that it wasn't that the course was better or worse. It wasn't that I included more stuff. It wasn't that you know, I'm doing the things the gurus are doing. It was that I figured out what my hook was and that completely changed the sales and the success of that thing. I'd like you to press pause and just listen to that again, because that is a, uh, just a great insight into the power of a headline and a hook in copywriting. So thank you for that, Micah. That was very helpful. Yeah. You accidentally touched on one of my most unique curiosities. So I have to ask you because, <laughs> because you brought it up, which is why does, why do software companies, which I, I think you'll find this question interesting because you, you, you can see both sides of this. It's with software companies. It's usually a third party entrepreneur who makes the best training courses about how to use the software courses, the courses on how to, be successful with software rarely come from the company that makes the software. Why is that? <laughs> Sorry. I love that question. Um, so you, you made Infusionsoft course, right? Yeah. And you, you said that the company itself didn't even have training yet, I think. Yeah, uh, they, or yeah. if they did, they, maybe they had a little bit of documentation or whatever, but you stepped up so I just wanted to ask your opinion on this matter because I just find this, I see this everywhere with all kinds of software where these other people like make the courses about how to use it. <laughs> how, why does that happen? That's such an interesting question. I think it's all about perspective. I mean, even, even just the words right there. Uh, Infusionsoft had documentation, right? They documented their features from a technical perspective. But when I came in and built my course, it was from the user's perspective. And so every piece of it was, hey, I'm in your shoes doing what you're trying to do. Here's how to make this thing work. Infusionsoft's perspective is, you know, well, we need minimum viable documentation and we need to help avoid too many support tickets. And, you know, we need to provide self-help resources. And I fall into that trap too, because yeah, with our software, it's the same thing. I think, oh, we need documentation. Um, but someone else creating a course with an outcome in mind by using the piece of software is going to get a lot more done. And it's a, part of the reason I laugh is I hadn't even thought of it that way, but it's so true because even for us, for our Membarium for Active campaign version, when we were kind of piloting it and first getting it out there, we were giving it away for free to beta users and stuff. Uh, this guy's name's David Power. He created a course about Membarium for Active campaign and was selling it and doing pretty well with it. Uh, you know, we had minimum documentation, but it was funny that, yeah, he goes out and he creates a course and people love him. You know, they see him as an expert in that space, but yeah, he's, we didn't ask him to, he just went and did it. Uh, and it's because he's got a different perspective. I've got so many conflicting, you know, things pulling at my time. Like, you know, you talked about the five hats with memberships, site owners, 
with a software company, it's probably just exacerbated a little bit, um, just a bigger issue, 10 hats or whatever. And uh, so to, to settle down and get enough space from all of that to really get into the user's shoes long enough to create a course probably just doesn't happen that often as much as we both would want to try, you know? That's awesome. So if you're listening to this out there and you're stronger on the entrepreneur skill set, but you're, you're looking for a course idea, um, you know, look at the software tools, look at active campaign, look at Infusionsoft, look at Mimbarium, look at Lifter LMS, look at whatever other tools you use and, you know, consider making courses about how to use them. Um, there's also on this podcast, there's an episode we did with um, Joseph Michael, who his whole course empire was built on t- for writers on how to use the Scrivener software for writing books. And he, didn't, he doesn't work at Scrivener. He, he made that course. Just an interesting phenomenon. So I want to get your take on it. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, as, as we're getting close to the end of the show here, I wanted to ask you, uh, about some stuff about Membirium. A lot of this episode is about finding flow and removing friction and the power of communication. Um, you recently have released or have about to come out uh, when this goes live uh, or, or working on a template, template system. Can you tell us about that and what friction you're working on removing? Yeah. So we, when we first came out with Membarium, it was kind of like, Hey, here's this tool and you can do all these things, but there's no direction. Uh, so we came up with a wizard later and I'm surprised people could even make anything when we first came out. Um, we would help them a lot, but just saying it's like, wow, that, that was not good. And so we came up with a wizard that gives them basic pages, login page, member home page, update your credit card page and stuff like that. And those were, I would say design less. It was pretty much some text with some short codes. So they were functional and they had the right message on the page that a member could publish them and go with it. Um, but there, so we kind of like got over those initial hurdles. And so the new system of templates that's coming out is where we actually got pretty detailed and specific where we're saying, okay, if you're using, and we didn't do every theme and every builder because that's impossible, but we took some of the most popular ones. So for example, if you're using Lifter LMS and, um, you know, the, El- the Elementor Builder and the Astral theme will automatically create you a best practices member homepage where it shows like a grid of all the courses. And we mix lifter short codes with membarium short codes and, you know, components of the builders and stuff. So what we're really trying to do is we just realize almost everybody wants that. Everybody who makes a site uh, pretty much has more than one course or their courses are broken up into sections and they want to graphically display it in a way that shows the user their progress through it, kind of what they've completed, what's still left to go uh, and make it look nice. And that um, to do themselves was a huge chore, especially because they're not well-versed in all these pieces of software. They just want the end result. They don't want to have to learn all this stuff. And so we've, we've always had kind of the opinion that we don't, you know, if people become an expert in Membarium, that's fantastic, but they don't need another thing to learn. Uh, They don't want another thing to learn for sure. And so we're just trying to take that learning curve out. And that is the most complicated page we do. There's a lot of other pages also that this new version addresses, but it's mostly that page when a member logs in, what do they see? You know, are there check marks, progress bars? Uh, What are the graphics like? And so we just took all the best practices because so many people would watch, especially some of the case studies we'd done and say, hey, I want a homepage like so-and-so's homepage. And it 
it happens so often that we created, right, the documentation for it. Here's how to build this. And it's like this long piece of complicated documentation. And it's technically accurate, uh, but it's a whole chore for that person. And the bar keeps getting raised where when they come in and build a membership site, they feel like they have to have that page functioning and looking good. Um, and, and it's not really true that they have to, but they just feel like it's, it's kind of like the ante. It's where they have to be for people to come in and have a good experience. And so the new system that we have, when you install Memberium, it will detect, you know, what LMS are you using? You know, you're using Lifter, what theme, what builder, put it all together and give you this template right from the get-go that then you can customize and modify but you don't have to build from scratch. So that's kind of a big, really huge piece that we're trying to eliminate so that people can focus more on just their content and what they're delivering in their marketing rather than so much on the technology. That's awesome. I want to commend you for that. I call that moving the starting line. You're just moving it further along, like the projects, you know, just, you're just removing friction, making it easier for people to get up and going. Um, Micah, thank you so much for coming on the show. For you, the listener out there, I would encourage you to re-listen to this one because there were a lot of gems in here. The, the content planning with the index cards, the power of copywriting and hooks and so much more. Um, this one is worth a re-listen, so I'd encourage you to do that. Go check out Membirium at Membirium.com. How else can the listener get a hold of you or is there anything else you have to say in, in final to the listener? Uh, yeah, I just say, you know, don't be a stranger. If you go to Membarium and go to support, feel free to ask anything you want, even about some of these things we went over. We do have some more in-depth content and videos we can send them. So even if you don't use Membarium, uh, feel free to connect with us. And yeah, just going to Membarium and asking a question of support is typically the best way to do that because we have a great support team who will respond and be very helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Micah. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Chris.